Good morning, everybody. Oh, that's pretty good. Well done. Good job. I am excited to jump into this series. Um, although on Monday and Tuesday, I messaged Pastor Joel several times being like, dude, this is not an easy series. Because these topics of connecting Old Testament beautiful stories and rich principles to the fulfillment in the New Testament usually takes a little bit more time than we have on Sunday mornings. And he got to go two weeks back to back for one that didn't finish in one session. And I'm like, I'm going to get it done. One sermon. Um, we're ta- today we're talking about unveiled, um, being transformed in his presence. In the Old Testament, before the tabernacle and priesthood and before the temple and all of these forms of worship, including the place of Jerusalem, there are some of stories associated with one of the most notable characters of the Old Testament, Moses. And a lot of the stories about Moses include a real deep connection with hearing God, with God's presence, with God's voice and God's leadership and God's calling on his life. From a fiery shrub on holy ground to mountains where there were stone, temple, stone tablets of the Ten Commandments, Moses communed with God on behalf of the people. What we're talking about today, the main point for today is that Moses' encounters with God left him so physically transformed that the people around him were afraid. Because of their fear, Moses had to wear a veil over his face. In Christ, that veil is taken away. And we can come into God's presence face to face and be transformed. That's what we're talking about today. The presence of God that transforms us. Moses' stories where he's veiled and and this whole process take place after the Exodus and before they've established a tabernacle form of worship. Moses is still the mediator between the people and God, which means he goes into God's presence and takes their questions and concerns and he receives an answer and comes and delivers that answer to the people. Or Moses goes up on a mountain and meets with God and so transformed and receives all of the law and the Ten Commandments and he comes down and delivers that to the people. That's what we see today. So we're going into Exodus chapter 33. And it's talking about this tent of meeting. It says this in verse number seven. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went, into, went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. There was reverence to do with this process of coming into the presence of God. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance. And while the Lord spoke with Moses, whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshiped each at the entrance to their tent. 
The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Just beautiful concepts here where Moses comes in to the presence of God and and figuratively, it's not like God walked into the building in like a manifest presence, but there was this this relationship, this knowledge, this, this communion with God that was face to face and friendly. Face to face and friendly. Also, Joshua stayed and lingered. Maybe we need to be a Joshua sometimes. Further in Exodus 34, when Moses had come down from Mount Sinai with two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, so Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him and he spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near him and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. He gave them what he had received in God's presence. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he would take the veil off. He removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out, he told the Israelites what he had been commanded, and they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. Moses' encounters with God left him so transformed physically that he had to put a veil over his face because the people around were afraid. Our experience in God's presence, we're going to get to this place of we need to approach without fear, but our experience in God's presence is meant to transform us. 2 Corinthians 3.18, we're gonna use more of this passage as we unpack this this concept and this reality for us today, but I'm gonna talk about the ending and then we're gonna go back to the beginning and go forward through it. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, and we, not just Pastor Joel, not just Moses, not just Pastor Jen, we all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. In our relationship with self, we are being transformed into the image of Jesus. In our relationships with each other, we are being transformed into the image of Jesus. In our relationship with God, we are being transformed. We are ever increasingly becoming glorious. It's a journey. The first point I want to talk about today is contemplate God's glorious presence. Contemplate God's glorious 
presence. I think sometimes we hear the word glory and maybe we think a little bit like jazz hands, like, ooh, something, ooh. Glory is one of these words that we use and sometimes I'm curious if we understand what we mean when we say glory. There's passage of scripture, if we go into 2 Corinthians and we go up a bit, starting in verse number seven, it's talking about the ministry of the old covenant being glorious and how much more is the ministry of this new covenant glorious? Let's look at there. It says, now if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory so that the Israelites could not steadily look at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness. For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Did anybody count how many times glory or glorious were used in that passage? Paul's writing and he's saying what was and how they related to God in the past was glorious. How much more is this new covenant where we all can experience God's presence? How much more glorious is that? A moment understanding what the word glory is, is required right about now. Glory, the word glory, has a weight to it. If I open the Bible dictionary, I should just put it up on the screen. The definition of the word was weighted, weight, weight, weigh. There is an element of weighted awareness. A sense of weight in the awareness of God. When I'm saying contemplate God's glorious presence, I'm considering there's knowing that something more is going on here. Those points where maybe, I was in um, Bible study this week and there were several points where people shared testimonies or stories from their lives and there was nothing, like my body involuntarily was like goosebumps. There was that sense that in the telling of their stories of what God had done and where God had met them, there was more than just the words they were saying. That's glory. Those times when we're singing or declaring or praying and you know that there is more going on here than just the words coming out of your mouth or just the sounds coming out of the piano. That's glory. Those times where we're aware, we sense, we feel, we appreciate. If you're not a sensor or a feeler, you have a knowing. There's something about the experience that there's more going on than the mere physical reality of action, words, stuff. That's God's glorious presence. 
this past week, I just, I didn't even want to go further than this last week because sometimes if I'm like contemplate God's glory, we are like, how far back do I have to go? I want us to be a people that acknowledge in our days, in our weeks, God's presence in the mundane where there's moments where now I'm a nature person and y'all, most of you, if you've been around here, know that. But even yesterday, went to this breakfast thing and then hit the trails just up behind the church. And there's this little trail that leads you in and then you're in the forest. Both me and my friend stopped and we're like, whoa, whoa, I needed this. We both said at the same time, I needed this. What was what, it? It's forest, it's trees, and it was raining. But there was something about just going into nature and appreciating deep breaths, surrendering our week, surrendering our day, surrendering, for me, surrendering today and preaching, surrendering my week ahead. And as we journeyed and talked and walked, there were so many points where I was just like aware that there was more going on than rain, trees, mud, that kind of thing. As I mentioned this past week, my Bible study on Thursday nights, if you're looking for a place to hang out and you're not married and you're not going to marriage alpha, you are welcome to join in Bible study on Thursday night. We're going through Nehemiah. It was a small group this past week, but I tell you, there were multiple points where I was just like, pause. You sharing your stories of courage, of past, of present, of future, there were points where I was just so goosebumps because God was in the room. We need to be a people who consider this, consider the glorious presence of God. The Old Testament ministry carried death and condemnation and was glorious. It was transitory even still. And yet still it was considered glorious. Still there was a weight. Still there was a presence. Still there was a purpose. It highlighted the ways of life and following God, but it didn't last. It didn't stick. It required the people to participate in these rules and regulations, in these ways, in these acts of worship that involved sacrifice. It required all of these things and still it was glorious. Then Paul writes, how much more glorious when we have the ministry of the Spirit. We come to faith, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. That is the deal. We have the ministry of the Spirit that brings righteousness and is lasting. That's what we just read. It's lasting. Jesus promises to never leave nor forsake. The Spirit is with us, transforming us into a more glorious version of ourselves. In fact, we're being transformed into the likeness of Christ. We need to be people who contemplate God's glorious presence. What have you heard? What have you seen? What have you experienced that is weighty? The height of a mountain, 
the glorious worship experience, the taste of good food and good company, the testimony that causes goosebumps in awe, words that inspire pause, scripture that sparks change. Let us be people who contemplate God's glorious presence. Second point today is that in Christ, the veil is taken away. Picking up in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12, it says, therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. In similar fashion, when scripture is talked about and taught, when Moses, the old covenant, is read, minds can have trouble understanding. We can have trouble appreciating what does this mean for me in 2023. But in Christ, that veil of misunderstanding, that veil of not knowing, that veil of separation is removed and we have a very bold opportunity to be in the presence of God. Moses wore a veil because of fear. It wasn't his fear but still, he wore a veil because of the fear of the people around us. As I was contemplating this, this past couple weeks, I think we can still wear veils because of fear. I felt like God was just kind of poking and challenging me in a few areas where he said, Jen, I think you are coming into my presence with a sense of separation with a veil because of fear. We can have fear in our lives because we're different than those around us. I remember being um, uh, very, well, young, all of my discipleship years um, at youth group and youth conferences and church and all of these things, the pastors would talk about, um, many of them, not all of them, but a lot of them would talk about getting up early in the morning opening their Bibles, pouring their coffee, sitting and journaling and praying. And, and I tried for many years to fit that mold. And I remember distinctly uh, in my early 20s, I, I, I don't remember uh, where specifically, but I, I remember the experience. I know the table I was sitting at. I know the Bible and the journal that I had and I, I was sitting there and I'm like, God, I just, I know I'm supposed to do this. Get up early in the morning and spend time with you. And I just felt like God chuckled and it caught my attention. There was just this sense of, why do you know that you're supposed to do this? And I started exploring the, the weight and the, the, the ways that I was taught to approach God. 
And I was like, well, I have to do this because everybody else does this. And that was the beginning of my journey to realizing I commune best with God outside. I spend some time reading, but I can, I'm like the worst prayer if I'm sitting down. I don't know, I'm bored. It's like I sit down and I get bored and then I'm like, I, I can't pray. I gotta be standing, I gotta be walking. If you want me to pray for you, then ask me to pray for you and tell me to go for a walk because you will get prayed for if I am walking. I, I can pray sitting down and I've been in meetings with some of you and I've prayed for you sitting down, but when I am communing with God face to face, I am out in nature. And even this past week, that was challenged. I was sitting with a group of pastors and we were sharing something to do with like, how do you connect with God in this season? And I said, I go outside. And somebody at the table said, and you like take your Bible with you? And I was like, no. And they were like, you take your journal with you? And I was like, no. And do you know that at this point in my life, I still felt a moment of shame for maybe not doing things like other people do them because we have fear. Your fear might look very different than mine and you might have those glorious times first thing in the morning. Mine is at night. If I'm gonna sit, it will be at night. We might have a fear of risk, even coming into God's presence, that idea we would have questions about or doubt about. We might have fear over raising our hands in worship, over praying out loud. We might have fear. And today, in Christ, those fears are removed to anyone who would want the freedom. We have hope. We don't need a veil. We can trust God's presence face to face is friendly. And in that, we are free. In Christ, the veil is gone. The veils of shame and fear, the veils of death and sin, the veils of addiction and controlling influences. And we, with boldness and confidence, come face to face. And point number three, we are being transformed in his presence. Second Corinthians 3.18, again, we've come through Second Corinthians 3, and we arrive again at, and we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. God's presence is more than feels, it's more than duty, it's more than becoming the best version of me, it's more than collective enthusiasm, as awesome as it is to gather and worship, it's a transforming process. Now, sometimes we get a mindset of transformed is a suddenly thing. That word here is not a suddenly thing. It's the process of being transformed. 
Now, I like a good rom-com where there's like a montage from geek to chic or from like, you know, down and out to like beautiful princess or like all the princess diaries ones where they make two eyebrows out of one. I love a transforming process that you can see and is like, boom, whoa, transformation has occurred. But in our spiritual formation journey, we are in it for the long haul. We are in process all the days of our lives, all the seasons of our lives, all the areas and relationships of our lives. What is God working in you in this season? What is he calling you to? In your face-to-face encounters, you might be sitting there thinking, I don't know that I really have a place of face-to-face encounter. And to that, I would say there's no time like the present to begin. To turn our attention, whether in scripture or in song or in prayer or in devotion or in postures of sitting and listening, appreciating what God is saying, how God is showing, where are the weighted presences in your life as you consider who God is, who he's calling you to be, who he's shaping you to be in this season? What is God working in your life? A couple weeks ago, we were in a staff time of prayer and we were uh, encouraged to spend some time listening. And then afterwards we shared what God had put on people's hearts and, and one of um, my coworkers said, uh, I, might, I might butcher this because I didn't write it down, I only put their name and sometimes when I am thinking, oh, I'll totally remember uh, when I'm up there, my, my mind has gone blank. But one of my coworkers said that the Lord had impressed upon their heart to, now, if you're here and you remember what you said, you're welcome to jump in. But it was basically sit down, listen, sit down, stop talking, listen. Jonathan, do you remember what you said? <laughs> That's right, yeah. It was three simple things like sit down, stop talking, and listen. And when they said it, when Jonathan said it, now that I've said his name and y'all have heard it, um, when Jonathan said it, something in me was like, pay attention, Jen. One of those weighted moments, just a little thing, just that sense of pay attention, Jen. And over that week, there were so many opportunities where what would be just somebody showing up, somebody coming to the office on a, maybe I was a busy day or I was prepping something or I was doing something, that encouragement to be present, Jen. In every life group, in every group that I'm part of, in every meeting, even yesterday at a breakfast very early on a Saturday morning that I definitely was not inclined to want to go to, I felt like God was like, sit down, stop talking, listen, be present to the people at that table. 
That's what God is doing in my life in this season is, Jen, if you can't manage to be present, you're missing the point. That's what God is speaking and transforming in me and retransforming in me because it's probably not the first time, nor will it be the last time that I'm being encouraged to slow down and be present. What is God building in you? Is it trust? Is it hope? Is it healing? Is it identity? Is it boldness? Worship team, if you're not already backstage, be ready. The conclusion today is that because of Jesus, we approach God with hope and boldness, with freedom and unveiled faces. And as we do, we will be transformed. What veils do you need to have removed? And where are you being transformed? Or what needs transforming in you? Let's pray. God, you are a God who transforms darkness to light who transforms brokenness to wholeness, who transforms deferred hope to hopeful abundance, who transforms the broken areas, the downcast areas, the doubtful areas, the sad areas, the broken relationship areas. You bring transformation in us and through us. Today, God, as we come again into your presence with that knowledge of you being face to face with no veils, no fears, boldly and with freedom and pursuit of freedom, God, would you meet us? Would you reveal your glorious presence in new ways? Would you speak to hearts and minds? Would you bring an awareness of your love Would you bring awareness of conviction? Would you help us know what it means to relate to you face to face? And would you give us courage? Courage to be boldly free. Courage to represent your glorious presence in this world. Courage to meet with you face to face. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen.